Welcome back to Women Living Courageously. I'm your host, Melanie Redd, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. I have quite a story to share with you. Not long ago, a young woman contacted me on Instagram. She said that she was starting a business and wanting to help people with their mental health. In order to do this, she was making videos via Zoom with people from all different points of view. She asked me to come on her program as a woman of faith and share about how to have better mental health from a faith perspective. We talked several times via email and then on a phone call, and she did share with me that there had been some church hurt in her experience, and she was not actively involved in a church at the moment. However, when I was invited, I was told I could openly share whatever I wanted to share. On the day of the recording, just before we were about to go on air, she got very serious. She wanted to talk to me about something. She said, Many of my followers are offended and put off by faith messages. They really don't want to hear anything about God or religion. It could turn them away or offend them. Then she asked, So what would you like to do today? Either you can leave out everything about your faith and take all of the God and Bible and faith references out, or I can put a special disclaimer on this episode, a warning label, letting people know there may be some offensive faith messages in this interview. I am not making this up. <laughs> she gave me just a moment to decide what to do. We were about to go live, and it was very uncomfortable for about five seconds. Very calmly, though, I knew what I had to do. I looked at her and said, I am so connected to my faith that I can't talk about hope and better mental health without talking about God, the Bible, and my faith. I just can't disconnect the two. It's not possible. Even if I tried, I know I'll probably say something or make a reference that would be Bible or faith-based. So for the next hour, we went back and forth in the interview. I shared what I'd planned on sharing. However, I found myself very burdened and at times uncomfortable because I felt like I had been put on notice about my faith. At times, I hemmed and hawed and struggled a little bit. I did share the hope that we have in Jesus, but I was so saddened and perplexed by the fact that she was going to have to add a disclaimer to our session. She was going to have to put a warning label on my talk. We finished, and everything went okay, and I pray that I showed that young woman great grace and kindness in the whole effort. And yet for the next few days, it's all I thought about. I thought about the fact that apart from Christ, there is no hope. Really, I know no other message of hope that we can give to people today. There is no counselor, no therapy, no drug, no new theory that is going to meet the deepest needs of people's hearts. We used to only put warning labels on cigarette packages and poison bottles, toxic waste, and R-rated movies. But now, are we going to have to put warning labels on anything that mentions the name of God or Jesus, or the Bible, or the Christian faith. You know, it's interesting. Yesterday, I opened my Facebook app on my phone, and I noticed a news article. The article said now that 25% of people in the U.S. are affiliated with no faith at all. So now they are forming communities outside of churches to meet the need that once was met inside the local church. Community, fellowship, and encouragement. These are no longer primarily happening in churches, especially in the younger generation, and this makes my heart sad. So what do we do? How do we respond? How do we reach the next generation, our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, our coworkers, 
and our friends. I saw a great post on Instagram recently that I found so interesting. The author said this. She said, everyone is asking, how do we reach the next generation? She said, I tell them the gospel, and I tell them like me, they are sinners, and they need to confess their sins, and they do it. So maybe we should just try being straight up with this generation. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, we read, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to give you a visual for how to be a witness today. It's light. Be the light. Think about it. A small candle or flashlight can light up a very dark room. You and I need to be the light. Beautiful, attractive, loving, warm lights that shine brightly to all who are around us. So how do we do this? My friend Ellen, a longtime ministry partner of mine, says this. People really want to know just a few things. They want to know, are you for real? Do you really care about me? Is your God for real? And can he do for me what he has done for you? Let's look at how we can share the gospel well and shine brightly in our lives and in this day. I want to give you three very practical things you can do to reach those that God has put around you. And these are simple, but sometimes we just have to be reminded. First, personally fill up on Jesus. You and I should be the most joyful, gracious, and kind people because of what Jesus has done for us. We fill up at the well and we slosh out Jesus everywhere we go. We pray, we spend time in the Bible, and we fill up with lots of hope. Then we will be like a breath of fresh air. We should be like one of those candles that everyone can't get enough of. You know the kind. We got one for Christmas. When people come into the house, they say, what is that smell? That smells so good. Our light and our scent ought to draw others in, not push them away. Listen, we can't and we don't badger, cram, bug, lecture, or push anyone to Jesus. Instead, we pull them. We draw them in. Then we speak the truth in love. We aren't silent when given an opportunity or given an audience, but we must earn the opportunity. Listen, we can't be mean and fussy and then push them to come to church with us. We can't be unkind to them and then send them Bible verses. We can't be rude to them as they wait on our tables at a meal or check out our groceries and then leave them a track. No. Who wants that? Why would they want our Jesus? Instead, be like a magnet. Gently pull them in. Don't bulldoze them. Think about it. God is like this with us. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you realize how patient he is being with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see that he has been waiting all this time without punishing you to give you time to turn from your sin? His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So the first way for us to reach others for Jesus is to be a light, a sweet aroma, a sweet fragrance of the knowledge of Christ that will draw others in. There's a second thing we can do. And it's simply this. When you get the chance, you share. At every good opportunity, open your mouth and talk. Share boldly. Share plainly. Share Jesus. Share the scriptures. Share hope. Share how Jesus has worked in your own life. 
Adrian Rogers once said, a Christian with a testimony is never at the mercy of an unbeliever with an argument. 2 Timothy 4.2 says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Johnetta Ferguson, a family friend and longtime Bible study fellowship teacher once taught us this, you can only really give people a few things that matter. You can give them prayer, hope, Jesus, and truth from the Bible. So that's what we share. We share hope, Jesus, Bible verses, and prayer. Picture yourself like the Dunkin' Donuts sign. Turn the hot donuts light on. It's like when a kid was opening our pool at our house and he wanted to talk about his broken heart. We did. My light was on. Then there was the girl at the voting place. We were seated waiting for the doors to open, and she wanted to talk about the stress of her job, and we did, because my light was on. With my own kids and their friends, wanting to talk about life, decisions, disappointments, and what's next, we do, because my light is on, and I'm ready to listen. When they come to us, they are much more likely to hear what we have to say. Let me say that one again. Moms, grandmoms, aunts, friends, co-workers, when they come to us, they are much more likely to hear what we have to say. But we earn the right, and we wait for them to approach us. So we fill up with Jesus, we share when the opportunities arise, and a third thing we can do is to pray like crazy for our kids and our grandkids and those we're concerned about who are away from Christ or don't know Christ. We pray and pray, and pray, and then we pray some more. One of my friends, Lisa, shares the story of a season in her daughter's life when her girl was away. She was away at college, and she was away from the Lord. Her daughter's name is Hope. My friend Lisa began to pray for Hope daily, consistently, passionately, and with everything she had, and she only prayed one simple prayer. Lord, I pray that hope will fall in love with Jesus again, and I pray that you will put authentic, Jesus-loving people around hope who will draw her to love Jesus more. For months, my friend Lisa told no one what she was praying. She just faithfully lifted up her daughter, Hope. Months later, my friend Lisa was visiting her daughter, Hope's college dorm at a weekend parents' event. As she entered Hope's room, she saw her Bible open on her bedside table, along with the journal. Hope's whole countenance was changed. She had a joy and a peace about her. My friend's prayers had been answered. Hope had fallen in love with Jesus again. What a sweet answer to prayer. Then I heard Hope share what happened when her mother started praying. It was so fun to hear her side of the story. While Hope was at college, she stayed on campus one weekend when all the rest of her friends went home. It was on this weekend that she met the most amazing group of students. They were exchange students from other countries who had very little money and had nowhere to go on the weekends. So they banded together to eat, hang out, and enjoy community. And they were all passionately in love with Jesus. Although they had little as far as wealth or possessions or popularity goes, they had something that drew hope in. These students from other countries had unexplainable, undeniable joy and contentment, and it drew hope to them. After spending time with these students, hope began to fall back in love with Jesus again. Her mother's prayers were answered. Listen, it may not seem like it, but our prayers do matter. Your prayers and my prayers are making a difference. 
God works through our prayers for our children, our grandchildren, and those that we love. So keep praying. Pray that they will be drawn to Jesus and will fall in love with him. Let me close with this. I believe the day is coming when everything may have disclaimers on them and where we may be limited even in what we're allowed to share online and in public. But we don't have to let this stop us. God has us on this earth today for a reason. We were put here for such a time as this. And for me, next time someone wants me to be on their program, I've already decided there will be no apologizing. I will not stammer, but I will lovingly share the gospel. Indeed, I will share the hope of Jesus and let them decide what disclaimer or what warning label to add. Also, I will continue to pray for this young woman who had me on her show. I'm praying that she will fall back in love with Jesus and heal from the church hurt that she once endured. For you today, I encourage you to be a bright light. Even a little bit of light counts. Be a sweet aroma of Christ to those around you. Draw them into the Jesus who is inside of you. Then, when they get drawn in, share. Speak the truth in love. Share the hope. And keep on praying. Your prayers are making a difference. In fact, today may be the day when God answers your prayers. As we think about reaching the next generation, I'm so excited to tell you about a brand new resource. It's a devotional, especially written for the 18 to 30-year-old woman, or any woman, really. It's called Just Rest, and it was just released. You know, there's never been a time where there's more nervousness, anxiety, and challenge in recent history as the one we're living in right now, especially if you're a young adult. With suicide, alcoholism, drug use, and despair on the rise, today's young woman could use a big dose of hope and encouragement. Just Rest is a 90-day journey to find peace, calm, and soul rest. Included among the pages of this short devotional is an area to journal thoughts and prayers while reading this encouraging book. You can get a copy of the book on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. Also, we're in the middle of a huge Just Rest devotional book giveaway on social media. I have added my social media links in the show notes, but you can just look for my name, Melanie Red, on Facebook or Instagram, and you will find all the details on this giveaway. The drawing will be held on May 6th, so I want to encourage you, get signed up. Now remember, as you're going this week, keep shining. Don't let any warning labels keep you quiet about the hope that lives inside of you. Yes, we are just ordinary women, but we serve an extraordinary God who has us on this planet at such a time as this.